1: Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and Ticketfm.com. We're back here on the block. Austin Norman and Eric Strickland with you You go to the Allo VIP line. And we welcome in Brian Munson of Husker Online. Brian, feels like a long time no chat. How are you doing? Are you recovered uh, now that we're in the dead period at all? <laughs> Doing
2: a little bit better, yeah. Recovering is, is probably a good word. Um, you know, trying to shift my focus and my attention a little bit to 2025 without trying to forget that, you know, that there's still some spots available in the 2024 class. And, and obviously I think we're going to probably get some news here in the next week or so, you know, potentially to one of those spots and, and keep an eye on a few other guys.
1: Let's talk about Nebraska's 2024 class to start off here. I mean, the the first full cycle for this uh this new coaching staff they they did seems like a pretty good job you now getting up to fifth in the Big Ten uh anywhere in that top five I think we see them ranked pretty consistently what are your your overall takeaways with like you said that spot maybe two left about this staff their approach to recruiting the types of players they're they're targeting
2: yeah well I mean I think Nebraska fans all saw that Matt Rule and his staff were, were shooting high. I mean, they had Brandon Baker in and Brandon Baker, you know, put out kind of a a vague tweet over the weekend about where else could he go for an official visit? Nebraska is one of those four schools that were kind of on his tweet. Um, You know, you brought in like Nate Frazier and Aiden Breland and um, Dylan Williams and and a bunch of other guys that, you know, they're all four and five star guys. I mean, looking right past Dylan Riola, but I mean, uh, it's, they, they really, I think they really had to test those, those waters. I think they really had to kind of understand the, like, you know, from their, from their perspective, those top, you know, 100 type of players, like how did Nebraska kind of stack up? Like if you're, if you're looking at this genuinely, genuinely from a you know, a coaching staff, facility, you know, kind of fan support and all the, and the academic support and all the things that kind of go into it outside of record and, you know, outside of the body of work and and that kind of stuff. How did Nebraska kind of do? How do they fare? And I think that they did, you know, reasonably well. I think that they got some great feedback there, but I think that, you know, we kind of all agree there's there's really no reason for some of those players, like Williams Nawarney, for example, number one defensive lineman in the country. Even if you're from Missouri, you don't have to go to a four and eighteen. You have plenty of other options, plenty of other places that you know are trying to get you that are, you know, a little bit or way closer to the playoff picture. You know, coming in 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 the coming years. So, Nebraska is just kind of short. You know, kind of where where they're at with you know. Matt rule and what he's done. I, I think that everybody would agree that the, the class looks good. There's, there definitely was kind of this, this vibe where, you know, Nebraska brought in that first group of like mainly defensive backs uh, the first weekend in June. And then they started their camp schedule. And then they, when they started their camp schedule, they started making some new offers and they made offers on the satellite camp. They made offers in Lincoln. And a lot of those guys found their way into the class. Uh, And, and basically Nebraska kind of rebuilt their board as they went along in the month of June. Um, And, you know, clearly still athletic profile is a a very high uh, requirement or a big requirement for Matt rule and his staff. They are, they are simply going to put a bunch of athletes out there, you know, and they're going to bring those guys in as part of the, as part of this class. Um, But I, I think that that's going to be like the, the key to this class we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in a year or two where we're gonna want to go back and take a look and say when that decision was made to you know go a different direction than some of the guys that you had brought in that first weekend or replace some other guys on your on your list with other with other recruits the guys that you had worked with you know firsthand tested firsthand measured them um you know how did those guys fare in comparison to the other guys that you kind of walked away from and and that's just that it happens all the time but i think it's a very interesting thing that what they did and i think that it says a lot though about the the importance and the value that they have you know working with those guys firsthand testing them measuring them um and i think also nebraska was able to determine you know right away that those guys that were that were camping at nebraska they were serious about being being Huskers. They wanted to be a Husker. And I think that Matt Rule and his staff really value that.
1: When you look at Nebraska going after, like you said, those, those top prospects, those highest four, even five stars, was it a waste of time since they didn't get any of them? Or do you appreciate Nebraska at least going after them to send a message that, hey, Nebraska is still here. And maybe as, you know, experience for if they get the program back to where they think it can be, you know, they've had those conversations with prospects of that level before.
2: I think it's good practice. Um, I don't know what the how reasonable it was that they were assuming that they could get any of those players. I think that they knew that they were moving the needle with all of them to some extent, but, can, but given the type of player that you were talking to, given the geographic difference, it's not a Carter Nelson growing up in Ainsworth. It's not a guy in your backyard, so to speak, it's a guy that's growing up in at modern day high school, you know, or inner city, Los Angeles for that, for that matter. And you, you've, you've got, you've got a guy that, that you're trying now to encourage to take a look to come out there to Nebraska. And I, I think that that's a great sign that, you know, that they've got, they've got an NIL, they've got facilities, they've got a coaching staff that these players really, really, really trust and that they like, but Um, And I don't think that that was a waste of time at all. I think Nebraska is putting together a plan. I think the plan starts with, hey, how do we, let's test the waters now. Let's see where we're at and let's figure out what needs to be done and let's tweak some things and hopefully we'll get some W's that we can put into the, onto the scoreboard. Um, And then after that, we'll, we'll try to go back and and go into Southern California and get those guys. And I think it's really, it's also going to help that Nebraska, You know, in the Big Ten expansion, you know, playing in the Rose Bowl, it's not going to hurt. It's really not going to hurt to have that kind of uh, Big Ten tie-in out of that area geographically.
1: We'll get back to Nebraska in just a second, Brian. But you brought up recruiting with, you know, a coaching staff that players like, they appreciate, they get along with. A place that doesn't seem like that's happening right now is Northwestern, a place that's never (sighs) recruited well. And it's obviously about the the health, the safety, the mental well-being of the athletes on that team right now. But we've seen, you know, scandals hit universities before, whether it's Baylor, uh, probably what's coming at Northwestern from what we've already heard. Where does that program go from here? What kind of recruit can they, like, realistically target?
2: That's a great question. Um, I mean, look, they were – they had their own limitations anyway with their academic requirements. And and now you put on top of that – These problems uh, of, you know, basically, you know, it's not even making through this, you know, and getting and getting getting to the point where he has to be fired or or resign and and you, you know, there's a couple of big name guys that are kind of hanging out there that I think they might be able to go go ahead and get, you know, big 10 names, but where they're at and kind of putting stuff behind them. I mean, we all saw like the hangover that kind of happened with Penn State, but you're, they were able to kind of move, you know, move past that. Um, the fact that this happened, though, you know, in a in a much tighter, you know, chronological line than you know when when Joe Paw was in was in Happy Valley, and and um, uh, it's that's going to be the that's going to be the harder part, I think, for people to kind of digest because I, I think that everything then is fairly, you know, relatively, it's, it's a lot newer. Um, And I think also, I mean, I think people are, people are very hesitant. I mean, when stuff like that, it can hang over a university for sure, but there have been guys, I mean, obviously like what they did in Penn State, you've had other programs that were in trouble um, based on, based on similar deals or even other, other programs at a university like Michigan State's had their fair share of problems over the years. And 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 Mel Tucker's moving right past that. He's having a heck of a year recruiting. So um, it, it's it's going to definitely cause some uh, some issues there with what they can do in a recruiting class. I think that's what the portal, hopefully, is kind of for. You you, you still have guys that are looking for.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: those four-year opportunities and you have a big, you know, academic institution or academic institution like Northwestern, they'll have, a, they'll have an ability to kind of get some guys in there, but it's clearly not going to have the kind of talent, you know, and and you have to go back and repair, obviously what's been, what's been damaged.
3: Brian, um, good to have you on the show as always. I have a quick question that um, we had a caller that called in and as well, it's something that's just kind of been, uh, on my mind. And I want to just get your perspective on it. But is this is do you think this has anything to do? Because we talk about the winning culture, we talk about the culture of winning and how this can pacify or cause you to, to kind of have a turn, a turn the blind eye or just turn your back and the actions going on behind you uh, type of field and flow to it. Is this something that uh, we can expect to see more of now that some of these situations are starting to occur? Or, or do you see it happening as the turning of the tide of wins turn into losses, and then you start to see uh, the, the the mishaps and the problems start to exist?
2: Yeah, that's a toughie. How much how much collateral damage can people look past um, when it comes to being successful? I mean, obviously, the, everybody saw the story um, about the uh, the latest. Uh, Person that got in trouble in Athens uh, that was speeding. I think it was like an eighty-eight and a fifty-five. And and supposedly there's been a number of of issues with with players driving fast, getting pulled over, and sometimes that stuff gets a little bit overblown. But I mean, people were asking questions like, "Give me names, give me give me dates and stuff like that." Well, then you just got this one that just happened to follow in right after the you know basically the accusations were being made. I I. I think the biggest, I think the bigger problem here is that you institutional control has to, has a lot to do with the safety of the athletes, safety of the of the players, and the and the people that are around them on campus. You know, when you start talking about the the Bryles situation in Waco, and and living down here, it was an absolute nightmare. You know, with with the coverage that was happening and the things that were coming out of Waco, the stuff that Matt Rule had to follow up and pick up and fix and mend, and you know defend defend the university and and one side and at the other side know that things had to be fixed and had to get better and and that public safety was a problem um that's where I think that you have the biggest issues I think I think that there's there's always a thing that kind of comes along with you know being in college and and having that having that time you know and and there's always there's all there's always some trouble there and and I think that you know, my—I uh, think one coach that we went to a camp said it the best. You know, you're you're in the you're in the ultimate fishbowl. Um, there's about 12 games or 12 weekends a year where you know the media are going to be on top of you. But but the the problem is, since you're a student athlete, you're you're basically watched 365 days a year. You are completely and totally different in the eyes of everyone else. You are here to do this to represent the school. And that's a difficult thing to kind of do based on, like, your age, the peer pressures, the, the opportunities to kind of do those, to do those things and, and potentially get into some issues. So I think when public safety is at risk, that's where people start singing a different tune, and that's exactly what you start talking about here, where you start talking about, like, hey, it's not just, like, picking on the players a little bit. This is moving into hazing and putting people's health in danger.
1: And Brian, you would know better than us, I mean, just how much recruiting has changed since Pat Fitzgerald took over at Northwestern. But even though there is more going on with NIL, the portal, uh, the data out there on kids, even as much as it's changed and grown, that's no reason to not still have oversight of your own program.
2: Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I think that you're, the span of control obviously has grown For the for the head coach, however, so have the staffs. The staffs have been a proportion. In my opinion, the staffs and the and the support staffs have been proportionate to those responsibilities. You have to have people that you know in that kind of control that are out there, not just talking about on the field, practice, games in the in the training room, whatever. Talking about people who are watching and have that oversight like what you had said and those people ultimately you know they may be a lot of people would would treat them and feel like they're insulation for the head coach but in reality what it is it's it's a aggregated uh delegation there's a there's a delegated role and responsibility that gets pushed off onto that person and they they have they know that they're sitting in a space that when something is concerning and out of line they have the responsibility to report that to the head coach, and if nothing happens, they've got to take it one step further before you have a problem like this. And and that's that's where I think the real issue is here, guys. It's it's that it's that someone had that type of control, someone had that type of 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 lens and perspective of what was happening. It should have been reported, and if it didn't get handled, and it's very, it's, this is sounding very Penn State Joe Pog again, right? um that that then you go past that and you take it to one step further until somebody finally do, steps in and says it's not a concern or you're right this is a concern we have to do something about this and shut it down this when it comes back out the other way when it when it when it surfaces out directly into the media as opposed to a press statement internal that we have been made aware of these issues that have happened and running and whatever else they were calling it that those that is a more controllable scenar- scenario there where you can internally discipline coaches and and the head coach and get them get them figured, get them straightened out. The way that this has come out and surfaced, I don't know how I don't know how he's how he survives this with his job. I'll be honest with you.
3: Pause and here here's where I want to follow up. So uh, text line um, Big Daddy Travis on the text line says this. Uh, being what you just said, and I love what you just said. He said the entire Northwestern staff needs to be fired. Is that have we reached that point where it's to that level? Being that it should have been a, a an upward trickle uh, to till it got to the head ultimately, or or do you think that's a little bit too too much?
2: I think that those layers of insulation need to be examined and if the information was brought there as a way of kind of reporting up like military style and not and not breaking ranks then absolutely but if you had a person that who's like a director of player operations or player personnel or whatever mm-hmm. and they had some responsibility to watch out for the well-being of their athletes whether that's under you know the coaches that are there on the football field or it's outside the, the the plain view of this that's happening outside of that, that's where that person should be. That's where, that's where they still need to be at. Um, And that's the part then that needs to be reported up. But if this happened in plain view where you had, this was practice setting multiple coaches on the football field and people weren't, you know, to the point of like, this is going to get us all in trouble or what we're doing now is, 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 is basically, you know, it's, it's going to cause uh, um, somebody to get hurt or, or other things. Um, then I, I think that they have a reason potentially, if those folks were out there in the football field, that they all get fired. Um, it's going to really come down to accountability. Where, where were these folks and was this in clear, clear view, part of the practice, you know, right after the practice, or did the players leave the football field or, or how did that stuff kind of happen? So I've read a little bit about it. I don't know all the details, and obviously the truth is somewhere out there in the middle of all of it. Um, But I think that, honestly, if the coaches were on the football field and they saw any of that stuff, they should all be fired.
1: Brian Munson of Husker Online with us here on The Block. Brian, thanks for your time. Uh, Sorry to have such heavy subject material. Next week, though, we'll we'll see if we can wrap up that 2024 class officially like you uh, told us to keep an eye on and maybe turn our eyes to 2025 with you. Thanks again for your time, Brian. Really appreciate it.
2: That sounds better, guys. Have a great rest of your day.
1: There he is, Brian Munson with us on the Allo VIP line. Big shouts to Allo, everything they're doing with their uh, fiber internet here in Lincoln and hosting us on the block, 93.7 The Ticket, Allo Channel 951. If you're a subscriber, flip on your TV, find Channel 951, and you can watch the stream there. Big thanks to Brian again. We'll take a break, and we will finish out on the block after this.